0: That we have in our city, or even in just in our, our country, and and that is tolerance and non-judgmentalism. Just just being—I mean, those kids that, that I don't—I think you might have missed uh, the opening part, but it said this was a PSA announcement. This thing is all crooked. Um, a PSA announcement for parents um, f- coming from children to say. Hey, tolerance and non-judgmentalism. Parents, please make sure you teach us those values, those things. And those are really two of the values that I think represent some of the biggest things that many of us, probably even in this room, hold dear. And yet, I think as well, it's two of the critiques that are often brought against Christianity. So, I mean, a lot of times, uh, and the question that we will look at tonight is this question, is why are Christians intolerant and judgmental? Because we watched that video and that's a great video. And I mean, I would agree with that video. It's a, I mean, we should teach children to be tolerant, to be non-judgmental. Those are good things. Those are good values. And yet those are the very same things that oftentimes then come towards Christians and say, but I don't, I mean, Christians don't seem to necessarily represent those values that are, that are talked about in that video. And many people would ask this question, why is it that Christians are so intolerant and judgmental? This may be a question that you have, if you are a Christian, this may be a question that you have gotten. You may have been asked that just about your tribe in general or about you in particular. I mean, these are the kinds of questions that people often have about Christianity. Why is it so intolerant? Why is it so judgmental? Maybe as an organization or as particular individuals. Why, why is that? So tonight, if you're, if you're not a Christian, I think this is a great, uh, I think it's always a great Sunday to be here, but this is a great Sunday to be here because this may be one of the, the things that for you, you really wrestle with. And, and, and maybe, maybe you've encountered Christians that you feel are like this, and it, w- it would be good to explore this question. But if you are a Christian, this is probably one of the things that you will encounter all the time that you will be asked, or that you, or, or maybe you won't uh, write out be asked, but it will be something that is the subtext of many conversations, which is why is there this intolerance and this judgmentalism that many Christians seem to have? So, so if you're not a Christian or if you are a Christian, it's an important question because it's one that is uh, very, very important very relevant to just kind of the everyday life that we experience. And it's, and it's one of those things that Christianity seems, seems to or is criticized for being against what the, the cultural norms and values are of our city and, and of our country, really. So, so this is the question that we're going to talk about, is why are Christians intolerant and judgmental? And to, to explore that question, here's, here's what we're going to start with. And the question is this, should we judge others? I mean, should, should we judge others? That, that's the question that we just have to start with because the the question posed is, why are Christians so judgmental? Well, we have to ask this, should we judge other people? I mean, is it, is it even something that's bad to judge other people? Here, here's what we know. It doesn't feel good, right? I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. I thought, sometimes I've shown kind of clips from Twitter uh, categorized by different hashtags. And I thought about doing this, but I just didn't have time. I'm sorry. But um, it's, uh, you know, if you just kind of scroll through the hashtags of don't, uh, don't judge or don't judge me. I mean, there's all sorts of, I mean, even from little small things, you know, can't wait that Frozen 2 is coming out and I'm an adult or I don't even have kids or something like that. Don't judge me. I mean, just it can be silly, small things or it can be big things, right? I mean, we, here's what we know. We, we know that the question, should we judge others, we'll, we'll get to that question. But here's what I know, and here's what you know. It doesn't feel good. If you feel like somebody is judging you, it does not feel good, right? It doesn't matter if it's something very small. Sometimes I've gotten up here and said, and I'll just out myself, I like the Hobbit, I like the Lord of the Rings, and I've even said, like, don't judge me, because it doesn't feel—it doesn't matter how small or insignificant it is. You don't. No one likes to have that feeling of I'm being judged right now, right? I mean, nobody likes that. It doesn't feel good. Okay, big or small. But then we also uh, come to Jesus, and a lot of times, I mean, the, the most popular Bible verse that people know is 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 this Bible verse, which is Jesus saying in in the the Gospel of Matthew, he says, judge not that you be not judged. And now most people just know that first part, right? Judge not. I mean, that's almost anybody in this country knows that Bible verse, judge not. And and, and it's right, Jesus said that. Jesus said those words. There is something about judging other people that Jesus says is not good. Okay, So, so here's what we know. Should we judge other people? Number one, it doesn't feel good. Okay, you and I know that we have a revulsion against being judged. Number two is this Jesus says, Don't judge people, judge not that you be not judged, which is what many people often say. Say, Look, Christians are very judgmental, and their, f- their founder, he said, Don't judge. Christians, why are you so judgmental when the guy that you worship says, Don't judge people? Okay, so, so. So here's, here's what we have so far. We don't like to be judged. Jesus says not to be judged. So should we judge people? Here, here's, let's, let's explore a little bit further, though, what else Jesus says in the same passage. Here's what he says right after this. Judge not that you be not judged. And then here's what he says. For with the judgment that you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's this log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So let me explain what Jesus is saying here. So in this context where Jesus says, do not judge people, he then also goes on to say, hey, before you look at your brother, look at your friend, before you look at your friend and say there's something wrong with you, there's something in your eye, that's just a a metaphor for, hey, there's something wrong in your life, before you go and do that, you need to realize there's stuff wrong with you too, right? Right? And then he says, down here, do not give to dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs. He's not being literal there. What he's saying is, so in this context of, hey, people have things that are wrong in their lives, and before you try to go correct them, make sure you check yourself, right? Check yourself before you wreck yourself, is what Jesus, that's where Jesus is the originator of that. And and then he says this though, also, that don't just don't throw your pearls. And you're holy, and don't give to dogs what is holy, which means if somebody's got something going on in their life and you're trying to help them, and you've checked yourself first, you've gotten the log out of your eye, and then this person, though, they keep rejecting it, they keep saying, get away from me. They keep, he says, don't, don't waste your time. Don't, don't give pearls to pigs. Don't give, don't give what is holy to dog. Don't waste your time. I mean, don't keep going to the same people and trying to help them see something in their life. And even if it's done in a kind, gentle-hearted way, if they keep just saying, get away from me. Then here's what he says just a little bit later. This is Matthew seven fifteen. This was Matthew 7, 1 through 6. So this is verse 15. Then he says this, Beware false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. So people that pretend that they're... They're all friendly and nice, but really they're not. But inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. That means their actions. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So here's what Jesus is saying here. There's different kinds of trees, and the way you know what kind of tree it is is by what kind of fruit it has, right? I mean, that's kind of simple logic. But the same is true with people. And that's, he's saying, beware of these kinds of people that say, look, I'm a good, I'm good. But their fruit, their actions show, "Mm, no, you're not. A, A good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. So, Here's here's what's interesting about this. Jesus starts this this chapter off by saying, don't judge, but then goes on to list things that most of us would consider very judgmental in the sense of not that they're necessarily mean, but that he's saying, make judgments. He's saying, look at this fruit and look at that fruit. There's some people that say that they're good and they're actually bad. There's some people that say they're one kind of tree. They say they're an orange tree and they're actually an apple tree. There's some people that you should... Um, not keep going after because they're the kind of people that are just rejecting you anyway, and you have to be able to make a judgment that that's the kind of person that you're dealing with. That and that even with the the log and the speck thing, he doesn't say don't tell anyone that there's something wrong with their life. He says before you do that, you got to understand you've got major issues. You see that? I mean, he he doesn't say he doesn't say look, you got logs in your eyes, so leave everybody alone. He says. Someone, your, your friend might have a speck in their eye, but look, you might have a giant tree growing out of your eye. So first, go deal with your tree. That way, you're able to see clear enough to help them with the speck in their eye. So here's what's interesting. Jesus starts it off saying, judge not, but then in the next verses, goes on to say things that are discerning between this is right and this is wrong. This is good fruit and this is bad fruit. This is dogs and this is pigs. This is, this is um, log and this is speck. So he goes on to help us. These, these are false prophets and these are good teachers. He goes on to help us actually learn good judgment. So should we judge people? Well, it doesn't feel good. Jesus says there's a kind of judgment that is bad. Okay, We can't ignore that. He says there's a kind of judgment that is bad. But then he also goes on to say, okay, but we can't totally rule out all judgment. Because, I mean, the same Jesus that said, don't judge, goes on to give us instructions of how we're supposed to judge. But it's not just, it's not just Jesus. If we think about should we judge others, he, he, I mean, here, here's the facts. The facts are this. We all judge people all the time. Ever since we're little kids, and here's what I mean, we, we all have standards of right and wrong that we believe. We all have certain things that we believe this is true and this is false, and we have things that we believe this is good and this is right. Ever since we're little kids, I mean, think about when you're little kids. If you have siblings, you probably did this all the time, where you would say, um, that's not fair. So you're appealing to, even as a little kid, you're appealing to, there's something that I know that is Right that you're breaking. Or, you know, little kids always do the pinky promise type thing. Or cross your heart and hope to die. Or, there, or do you promise? There's a sense where you're appealing to, there is a standard, there is something right and true and good that I'm saying that you have to conform to. Do you promise? That's not fair. I mean, even as little kids, even as little kids, we understand that there's things that are good and things that are bad, things that are right and things that are wrong, things that are true and things that are false. And it's not just that we hold those beliefs, but we expect other people to be held to them as well, right? We appeal to them. We say, hey, this is good, and you, you need to tell the truth. Hey, you promised that you would do this, and you're not doing it. So there's something good over here that I, I expect you to be held by the standard. I'm not just holding myself to it. I'm holding you to it. Now, now we all draw that circle in different places, right? I mean, we, we might say, okay, here's the circle of what's good, right, true. And, and I appeal that you need to stand in here. Now, everybody, I mean, some people, that circle might be huge. As far as you think, man, there's a giant list of things that are right and wrong and good and bad. Some people might make it really small, but we all judge other people. Because we all have standards of what we believe are good, right, and true, and we expect other people to be held to those standards. We're not just saying, this is true for me, we're saying, it's true for you too, and you have to be held by this standard. I mean, let's just start with things that everybody agrees on. Racism, right? I mean, if I were to go put a sign out in the front door that said, only white people allowed, you guys probably wouldn't say, well, hey, that's, you know, who am I to judge? Right? Right? Because we would all say, I mean, I hope we would all say that's a, there's a certain standard that we believe is right and wrong and we're willing to hold other people to it as well. We're not just saying it's true for me. We're saying this is a true right standard that I'm willing to hold. I'm going to hold you to this standard as well. Or something like, um, I mean, and again, the, the, you can keep going and, and it might change for different people, but most people would probably say adultery is wrong. Yeah, you, you shouldn't cheat on your spouse. That's something that would go outside of the circle of what is good and, and what is true. And I mean, even, even in our government, I mean, if, if a divorce is happening and there's been adultery in certain places and certain laws, that makes things more complicated. Because they would say, that's a standard that we're not just saying is your own standard that you get to make up, but something that you should judge others by, that you should hold others to. So this is something that we all do. I mean, maybe, even, maybe we would even say one of the standards that we will hold others to is tolerance, right? I mean, who in here thinks it's good to be intolerant? Raise your hand, right? No, I mean, if you raise your hand, everybody else is gonna look at you and judge you. So if, if, I, if we really did that and I said, who thinks it's good to be intolerant and two people raise their hands, I guarantee you, you're not gonna get a standing ovation. People are gonna look at you and go, you think it's right to be intolerant? You think it's okay to be intolerant? I don't think that's right. Because I'm saying there, there's a standard, and I not only hold myself to it, but I expect you to be held to it as well. We all do that, right? Ever since little kids. So people draw the lines in different places, but that's something that we all believe, and it's something that we all appeal to. Even sometimes people say things like this, you know, what it, it doesn't matter what you do, So morally, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anybody else. But that's still a standard, right? You're still saying, don't hurt people. That's the standard that we hold people to. Don't harm other people. Okay, so here's the question we have to ask then. If we all judge, so should we judge people? Well, I think there's an inescapable fact that we all judge people, okay? There's an inescapable fact that we all judge people. So the real question then is, is... What's the source of that? Or another way to ask that would be, who is the judge? Because if we all judge people, if we all judge people, which I think is just obvious, if we all do that to some degree or another, some part of the, some people's circle is really small of what they say we should hold others accountable to. It's just Nazis and racists. Other people say it's really big, and everybody should be held accountable to every minute little detail. If we all judge people, the question then is, what's the source of that judgment? Who's the judge? That, I mean, that's the question. Who is the judge? Because this is this is an important thing. Because there's going to be disagreements, right? I mean, people are going to disagree. Some people are going to say no, it's just this stuff. Other people are going to say no, it's everything. Th- that's a really important question. Is who's if we all make judgments? It's an important question to ask. Well, who's the judge? Who's the one that's actually deciding? because there's going to be disagreements about beliefs and about behaviors, about is this a good belief or a bad belief? Is this a good action or a bad action? We have to ask, who's, who's making the determination of what's in the circle? That I mean that's a really important question. I think a lot of times what, what people mean when they say that they don't like judgmentalism is they think that it's, it's wrong for another person to arbitrarily tell them, I think that's wrong and you have to hold to my standard. Now, that's true, right? I mean, if you just come up to me and say, look, I don't think people should wear gray shirts. Okay, thanks, thanks for letting me know. But I'm wearing a gray shirt, and you decide that that's wrong, and so then you judge me, or to use my previous example, that I like Lord of the Rings and you think less of me now? I mean, if you think less of me because of that, that's just kind of arbitrary, right? I think a lot of times that's what people mean when they say judgmentalism. That's the kind of thing that we're talking about. That It's, it's, it's really weird for this side of the, the church to look at that side of the church and say, we don't like you because you're on that side of the church. But that's just your opinion. Okay, but we have to have some sort of basis. So is it just our opinions? Or what's the source? Because if it's just our opinions of what's right and wrong, of what's good and bad, of what's true and false, if it's just our opinions, that is a very judgmental spirit that just says, I'm the final authority. I'm the authority, and I look down on other people that don't do what I think they should do. That's judgmental in a bad way. So if it's just me looking at you saying, I don't think that you should do something, believe something, think something, that's, that's a bad kind of judgmental because it's putting myself as an authority. So we, we all judge people. We all draw the circle at different places. But who is actually the judge? Is it just ourselves? Do we decide what goes in the circle? What's right and wrong? What's good and bad? If we do, that's... That seems a little silly, seems offensive, it seems rude, seems arrogant. So, how do we settle it? Who, I mean, who, who is the judge? I mean, if you, if you uh, I think about, you know, again, as kids, you play a board game or something, and probably some of you are like this, some of you weren't like that, and you probably had a sibling like that, and you didn't like them, and they're the ones that always wanted to check the rules in the game, right? Well, let's see what the rules say, because you need some judge to, that's over everybody's opinion. So what, what's the source? Who's the judge? And, and some people would say, well, the way that we know what should go in the circle is just kind of based on evolutionary process. So um, people developed altruistic genes, so they wanted to do good to other people because then that perpetuates their species, it perpetuates their clan, it perpetuates their race, so if you do good to other people, that's kind of how we developed our morality as evolution just kind of put that into us because over time um, we developed, it's good to do good to other people. It's good to be a moral person because that furthers your species. So pump, some people would say it's just the, the way that we kind of know what goes in that circle is just based on what's in nature. But if you look at nature, I mean, it's strong, eat the weak right? And do we think that's okay? I mean even, even with a, I mean, even to look at it as our genes got perpetuated of altruism, of being kind to other people, and that's how we have a morality, but that's really just for one's own species. Because if you look at nature, the strong always eat the weak, right? I mean, no one goes around and polices uh, lions from eating gazelles and says, that's wrong. You can't do that. No, that's that's just natural. Nature is strong, eat the weak. Nature is survival of the fittest. So is that good? I mean, would we say that that's good, survival of the fittest? Would we say it's good, strong, eat the weak? I don't think we would. So maybe it's just socially conditioned. Maybe our morality just comes from social conditioning. It's just what we're taught. It's just kind of what's passed on to us. And obviously, there is part of that that's true, right? Your parents taught you things, and you believe them, and so that shapes your morality. But if you look at all different cultures, though there's differences, there's a lot of similarities in what people believe, right? I mean, there's no culture that thinks it's good to betray your friend. They might think betrayal is good of an enemy or something like that, but there's no culture that thinks it's good to stab your friends in the back. There's no culture that believes it's, that it's good to harm children for no reason. So if we say, well, maybe our morality is just socially conditioned, why is it that there's a pretty consistent morality across all cultures, but where cultures differ, we also judge them? So if we think morality is just socially conditioned, why is it that sometimes we look at other cultures and we say that's wrong? But it's just morality is just socially conditioned. This This is just what their culture is. But there's some cultures in the world that treat women very poorly. And we would judge them, right? We wouldn't say it's okay. We would say there's something outside of culture that we're appealing to by which they need to conform. So where... Who's the judge? What's the source for what goes in the circle of what's good and right and true? Who's the judge? Well... I mean, obviously, what I believe is that we're only left with God because there has to be some sort of source that's outside of us. Otherwise, it is just feelings. So, I mean, this is true, okay? You, You can feel that something is morally right or morally wrong. You can have strong moral intuitions about that. But... Apart from some objective source outside of culture, outside of humanity, it's just feelings. It's not obligations. So you can be disgusted by something. You can think that, man, it's horrible. It's horrible to treat women this way. Or it's horrible, uh, racism is horrible. You can feel that really strongly. But outside of some objective standard by which we're judging that, it's just feelings. It's just, I really don't like that. It's just disgust. Or or morality just becomes pragmatic. It becomes what's the most useful, but that's still not objective. We might say, well, this is the most useful thing to do. This is the best thing to do. This is what most perpetuates society. But we, we still can't say, but that is actually wrong. So should we judge people My answer to that is that we all judge people in some way or another. We all draw a circle somewhere and say others should conform to it. So then we have to ask, well, who gets to decide what goes in that circle? And we're really left with ourselves or God. That's really what we're left with. We're really left with either I am the judge that decides what goes in that circle, and I hate people uh, harming people, I hate intolerance, I hate um, harming little children, I hate torture, so I put that stuff in the circle. Or, we're left with an authority outside of ourselves. And I think really the only way, the only way to make it so that we are not self-serving is if there's somebody deciding what goes in that circle that's outside of us. Because otherwise, that becomes the very definition of what judgmental as an attitude is. Because judgmental as an attitude is, I think this is right, I think this is wrong, just based on my opinions, and so I look down on you if you don't fit into my opinions. But the only way to escape that is to say, well, it's not me that's deciding. There's something outside of me that's deciding. And it's either just something pragmatic of this works for society or it's something ultimate, like God. And here's the truth. We all live as if it's something ultimate. Because we believe, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe you don't. And that's a, if you don't, then, then you're off the hook. But most people believe in human rights, right? As just kind of one uh, core thing that most people believe in. Most people believe in human rights. The humans have certain value and dignity and should be treated with a certain amount of respect. Most people believe in human rights, and, and, and they live as if that's ultimately true, not just a feeling of theirs, right? We live as if this is, I, I think this is actually true, not just my opinion of true. So who's the judge? Well, it's left with either just ourselves or something outside of ourselves. And if that's going to be ultimate and not just an opinion, then it has to be something like God. We're all judgmental, all of us. And sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. The real test of whether that's good or bad is are you basing it just on yourself or some ultimate reality outside of yourself? The person that is judgmental in a negative sense is the person that says, I create my own circle, I create my own standards, and I hold other people to that. The person that's not judgmental in a negative sense, is the person that says, I just find myself living in this circle. And there's something above me that's deciding what this circle is. Okay, but that's not it. What do we do with judgment? So if, if, if we're all judgmental, and that can be good or bad, and we have to have a source of that judgment that's not just ourselves, what do we do with that judgment? I think this is where we start to get to the issue of tolerance. Because a lot of people bristle at the idea of judgment because we think, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If you can say that this is right and this is wrong, then that means there's going to be a mean-spiritedness towards those that are in a different circle than you are. Or there's going to be mean actions towards those people in a different circle than you are. So this is kind of the question, I mean, non-judgmentalism and tolerance, I mean, they're kind of two sides of the same coin. They're kind of related issues. What do we do with judgment? I think it's just a fact that we're all judgmental. Some of that's good, some of that's bad. So we have to ask, who's the source? But then we still have to ask, what do we do with it? What do we do with judgment? Does it create intolerance? And I think there's three options that you have with what do you do with judgment. One of them is what would be called intolerance. So you say, this is right and this is wrong. This is good and this is bad. Okay, I've made judgments. Now, how, how, how am I going to respond once those judgments have been made? What am I going to do with those judgments? One, one way is intolerance. And that's where we say, okay, you are doing something that's bad. You are doing something that's in the the wrong circle based on a different judge. And so, you know what? I don't want to have anything to do with you. I don't like you. I don't want to be around you. I don't want to talk with you. That's really intolerance. Then there's tolerance, which as it's most commonly defined is just absolute acceptance of what someone believes and behaves. So that is, okay, there's a judge, there's a circle, and you're outside of that circle, but really, there's no circle. Kind of do whatever you want, absolute acceptance of other people's beliefs and behaviors. But that gets us right back to the beginning of, well, we all judge people. We all say that there's some things that are right and some things that are wrong, and who's the source that decides? So we, I mean tolerance as it's often defined is just absolute acceptance of people's beliefs and behaviors, it doesn't matter. But no one actually lives that way. We all think that certain things are right and certain things are wrong. So it kind of becomes circular again. Well, how do you know what's right and wrong? And okay, well, if there's a judge, and so, okay, so what do we do with those judgments once they're made? So, toler- so there's intolerance, which just rejects people. There's a tolerance that is kind of just a absolute acceptance, but I think is actually inconsistent with what we all believe in the sense of we all make judgments. But then I think there's something better than tolerance. I think there's something better than tolerance the way it's often defined. I think Jesus brings to us something that is better than tolerance. And that's love. And Let me explain what I mean. I think you have intolerance. I think you have tolerance, the way it's often defined is just absolute acceptance. And then I think you have love, which is what Jesus teaches. So here's here's why I think we have this revulsion to judgment. So I I think everybody in this room and probably everyone in the city doesn't want to be judged, right? Right? And we have this revulsion to the idea. I mean, this is why it's so common to just say, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. Because if we were judged, and then we felt the weight of that, we feel wrong, we feel guilty, we feel, I mean, often what we mean when we say don't judge is don't think less of me, right? I mean, that's often what we just mean is don't think less of me. If, if, if we got rid of the idea that there's no judgment, then all of a sudden it would feel like there's this wave of I might be rejected, I might be thought less of, I might be discarded, I might feel guilt, that I, I might have to give up control because if I'm told I'm wrong, then I might have to change. So we, we fear judgment because the consequences might be rejection it might be it might be feeling just kind of worthless don't think less of me that kind of thing so we fear we fear judgment but but Jesus gives us something better he gives us something better see Jesus came along and he never taught tolerance Jesus never taught tolerance I mean, that's just kind of an interesting thing that one of our highest values, Jesus never taught because he taught love and love's a lot different. Love's a lot different than tolerance. See, tolerance is really passive. Tolerance says, hey, you can believe what you want to believe and you can think what you want to think and you can behave how you want to behave. I don't care. I'm a tolerant person. But love is a lot different than that. Love is active. Love pursues people that are different. Love goes after people that are different. It doesn't just say, I tolerate your existence. Sure, believe what you wanna believe and do what you wanna do and live how you wanna live and it doesn't matter to me. That's that's a passivity. Love is very active. Love goes towards people, it pursues people, It it moves in the direction of other people. This is, why, this is why no Valentine's Day card says, I tolerate you. I mean, that's not very romantic, right? I mean, if I just said, I tolerate you, you would go, thank you, right? I mean, that's not, no one in their wedding vows looks at one another and says, till death do us part, I will tolerate you, right? Because there's something better than just tolerating somebody. There's something active that says, no, I move towards you. I love you. One of the most famous Bible verses, other than do not judge, is John 3.16, which says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. So that's a beautiful verse, and people know it, that there are our Christians and that are not Christians. It seems like this, this great, beautiful verse that God so loved the world, but I can promise you this, if it had said God so tolerated the world, that wouldn't be impressed on people's hearts in such a weighty way that it often is. Another verse that people quote is God is love. There's nothing that says God is tolerance. Tolerance is just a passivity. It says, okay, you believe what you want, you behave how you want, doesn't matter to me. Love says, I move towards you. I move towards you. No matter how you behave, no matter what you believe, I move towards you and I care for you. That's love. That's what what God did to us in Jesus. He said, God so loved the world that he sent his son, that's Jesus, to us. So God loves us so much that he moves towards us. That's a lot different than tolerance. It's that there's a judge. There's a judge. He's very judgmental in a good way. He says this is right and this is wrong. He's the source that makes the judgments, but the judge moves towards us. Now that's very different, right? Because that says, I mean, tolerance just says I accept your existence and that you can do what you want and believe what you want and behave how you want. Go for it. Love says I move towards you. I want you. I accept you. That's what love does. Love says, I, I mean, Jesus, just he, some of you need to know this. Jesus doesn't tolerate you. He loves you. He wants you. That's a lot different. See, I think a lot of people think we have a tolerant God in the sense of he's just up there and he's passive. He doesn't care what you believe. He doesn't care what you do. He's just a nice, tolerant old man. Thank you, Jesus, for being so tolerable. But God is way different than that. God says, no, I want you. I love you. I move towards you. That's a lot better than tolerance. But it's not just that. It's not just that. But, But let me say this. If you believe that, if you take that into your heart, that changes you. I mean, if you take that, if you believe that God wants you, and accepts you, and moves towards you, then then you do the same towards others. If you believe that the judge, the one that is the one that determines what's right and wrong, the one that says this is good and this is bad, if you believe the judge doesn't condemn you, but moves towards you, then that makes your heart, so you want to move towards other people that are different. You want to move towards other people that are even against you. The more you take that into your heart, the more it changes the kind of intolerance that people see and don't like. But it isn't just that. Jesus doesn't just say, I accept you and I move towards you and I love you. He also says, I want to change you. I want to change you. Now, for some people, they don't like that idea. See, some people think when they think of intolerance, when they think of judgmentalism, what they don't like and what sometimes they see in Christians is an attitude that says, I'm better than you. I'm holier than you. The, you know, the kind of holier than thou, that whole thing. And so they, they see that, they perceive that, and, and they, don't, they don't want to be, I mean, who does? Who wants to be around someone that says, I'm better than you? That's what they perceive and don't like that. As self-righteousness, right? Something that says, I'm righteous, you're not. And the Bible actually looks at self-righteousness as the worst sin of all. A spirit that says, I am better than you. I mean, this is what Jesus was always getting on the Pharisees about. But there's we have to be careful because there's two different ways to be self-righteous. I mean, one way to be self-righteous is to say, I follow all the rules, I, I obey the Bible, I do everything right, and so I am good. But another way to be self-righteous is to say, no, I'm good, don't judge me. There's nothing to judge. I mean, that's self-righteousness. It's saying, I am good. Do not judge me. There's nothing to judge. I'm good, I'm fine, by myself. But Jesus comes along and, and, and destroys both of those. Because what Jesus says is that it's not intolerance, which says, okay, people that are different, people that are bad, people that are sinful, we reject those people. It's not tolerance, which says nobody's bad, everybody's actually good, and there is nothing right and wrong, and everybody's just great. Don't judge anybody. Jesus doesn't do either of those. What Jesus does is something very, very different. Jesus doesn't say reject the sinful people or nobody is sinful. What Jesus does is he says everybody is sinful, and I still go after them. That's very different than tolerance. And it's very different than intolerance. Jesus' basis, listen, Jesus' basis of inclusion is not everybody's okay. See, that's usually our basis of inclusion. Everybody's okay, don't judge. Jesus' basis of inclusion is nobody's okay, so everybody's welcome. I mean, here's what Jesus says. Uh, and he, he says this to the scribes and the Pharisees. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners, so Jesus hanging out hanging out with sinners and tax collectors, which nobody likes those back then or today, and, and, they, and said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why is he being so tolerant? Why is he accepting these people? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Listen, so Jesus could have said this, they're not sinners, don't judge them. He could have said that. He could have said, well, the reason I'm hanging out with them is because they're not sinners. Nobody's a sinner. Stop judging, you dumb Pharisees, you dunderheads, if you were here last week. (laughs) He could have said that. But that's not what he said. He didn't say I'm hanging out with them, and I'm accepting them, and I'm going towards them because I don't judge. He said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So Jesus says, the reason I'm hanging out with them is because they're sick. The reason I'm hanging out with them is because they're not righteous. The reason I'm hanging out with them is because they're sinners. So... Jesus' basis of inclusion is way different than ours often is. Ours is either I hang out with holy people just like me, which creates a self-righteousness that people don't like because you're saying you're better than everybody. That's what the Pharisees did. Or, well, no, everybody's fine and everybody's good and don't judge anybody. That's why I hang out with people because everybody's actually okay. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. My arms are open. I was about to drop a creed line and sing it, but I'm not going to, okay? Don't worry. It's not going to happen. But it came through my mind. (laughs) Jesus says, I want to do it so bad, but I'm not going to. Guys, find that song and we'll play it afterwards, okay? Jesus says, I hang out with the sick because I'm the doctor, Elsewhere, Jesus says, I'm the shepherd and I go after the lost sheep. Do you see how different this is? So here's why I think this is powerful. Because if we believe, if, if you really believe in your heart, don't judge me. You cannot really believe that at the end of the day. So you can operate with that kind of at one level. But deep down, you know there's something not okay with me. You just know that. Everybody does. Everybody does. That's why we try to make up for it in different ways. We all, I mean, I was just thinking about it as I was working on this sermon uh, this week and feeling like, man, I feel judgment all the time. from ev- And I'm not saying it's because of other people. I'm just saying that we just feel that all the time. Feel judgment all the time. Not good enough, not not great. En- I mean, just all the time just feel judgment. And if my defense against that was, no, 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 don't judge me. I'm fine. I'm fine. My heart would know, uh, yeah, right, Caleb. I mean, it just would. You'd ha- I mean, I could try self-esteem for a little while and say, no, I'm good. I'm awesome. I'm great. And it works for a day. And then you go, no, there's something still in there that says I'm not okay. So if I think that God's basis of acceptance of me is because I'm okay, and if, and if, and if how I combat the judgment coming against me is just, I'm okay, it's going to fail. That's why people are anxious. That's why people are afraid of what people think of them. It's why people, it, think, just think about how many times people say things like, don't judge me or accept me for who I am. Or I mean, all of that, I'm not saying th- those are bad, but all of that shows that underlying there is this thing that says, I really want to be accepted. I really want to be accepted. I really don't want to be judged. I really, and that we're so shaky about it. So only, only if our acceptance is based on I mean, can anybody, I mean, I can admit and go, I'm sick. Great, I get a doctor, and Jesus accepts me. I mean, I, don't, I, I can stop fighting. When judgment comes towards me, I don't have to just try to push it away by saying, no, I'm all right, and I'm fine, and don't judge me. I can say, yeah, I'm sick. Thankfully, there's somebody that likes to hang out with six people, sick people. Yeah, I'm a sinner. Ah, thankfully, there's someone that likes to hang out with sinners, See, Jesus' basis of inclusion is not tolerance, and it's not intolerance of, I only hang out with the holy people. It's something way different than that. So for you, if you feel judged, if you feel judgment coming towards you, what you can do is go, yeah, but you know what? There's somebody that wants to hang out with someone like me. There's somebody that wants to hang out with somebody like me. And the amazing thing is that Jesus says, I accept you, I move towards you, I have love, not just tolerance, but also, I'm going to change you. And that can be a scary thing, but if you know that you're sick, then you want a doctor. If you know you're sick, you want a doctor. See, when you're willing to just say, okay, I'm going to lay it down and stop pretending stop trying to say, don't judge me, stop trying to, I'm going to lay it down and go, yeah, there's actually a problem. Then the doctor embraces you and then begins to change you. And that's, I mean, that's really good news. Because it means that Jesus doesn't just tolerate you. It means he accepts you. It means he loves you. And it means he's willing to change you. Which if we're honest, we really want. It can be scary because it's hard to give up control and it's hard to. But if we're honest, we really want a doctor. Someone that can look into our soul and go, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to heal that. And you can, you can show it to me. You can open it up. I mean, if just picture something, some ugly disease just rotting away at you. And Jesus says, no, you can open it up and show me. And I'm not going to say, get out. I'm going to say, I'm a doctor. So you can show it to him. And he's not afraid of it. This is a different kind of judge, right? So if we believe this, this changes the inner dynamics of our heart. Because it's no longer a haughtiness, it's no longer a self-righteousness, it's, no, we're all on the same playing field. We're all on the same playing field, all in need of the doctor. And the more that this goes into your heart, the more humble you are, the more willing you are to be around people that look sick and are tax collectors and sinners, the more willing you are. Here's another thing that this does when this goes into your heart. The more willing you are to correct people. Because if you just operate with a don't judge, don't judge, don't judge mentality, then you'll always kind of be afraid to help other people see their sickness. But the more that you realize we're all sick, and Jesus wants to heal us, the more that that goes into your heart. You have a humility, so you're not arrogant and self-righteous, but you're also really loving because you want people to be healed. So there's a boldness, not a jerkiness, but a boldness to be able to say, hey, let me help take you to the physician. Let me help take you to the doctor. Changes our hearts. So, there is judgment. There is judgment. And there is a judge. Jesus is the judge. But all the things that we fear that judgment would bring rejection, thought less of, losing control, all the things that we would fear from judgment, Jesus on the cross substitutes himself for us. And here's what I mean. We're afraid if I I were to admit that there's a judge, I'd be rejected. If I were to admit that there's judgment, if I were to to say that there's a judge, I might be rejected or I, I might have lower value. But Jesus, as the judge, also takes all the judgment on himself in our place. See, we should be judged in such a way that we are, I mean, our fears are confirmed, we're thrown out. We should be judged in such a way where people look at us and go, You're worthless, look at you. We should be judged like that if the things are true. But instead, Jesus says, I'm the judge. And I'll take the judgment. So Jesus, as the judge, goes to the cross. And he has his blood shed, which is the ultimate judgment, death and exclusion. I mean, Jesus was in perfect relationship with God the Father. And on the cross, he cried out, my God, why have you forsaken me? There was a breach in relationship between him and God, which is what we feared would happen, either between other people or between God himself. Jesus took all of the judgment that we deserve. That way, we can stand before him and say, you're the judge, but you've taken my judgment. So here, if you're a Christian, when you take communion, that's what we remember, that Jesus doesn't just tolerate, listen, (laughs) Jesus doesn't tolerate you. He loves you. He loves you and wants you and accepts you. That is so much better than tolerance. And if you're not a Christian, what it means is you don't have to fear the reality of judgment. That someone says this is wrong in your life. You don't have to fear that. Because all the things that you would fear happening, Jesus is willing to take away on the cross. And say, I'll take that then that changes your life and it changes your heart and it changes the way you act towards other people so that there isn't that spirit of intolerance and that spirit of judgmentalism. So when you take communion, I want you to remember that. And At the same time, we will we'll give tithes and offerings. And if you're not a Christian, please don't give anything. I want you to receive, but for Christians, we, we give because we say, There is a good God that loves people and wants people to know him. And that's why we exist as a church, to help people come to know God and find life with him. So you can give in the baskets if you want, or you can give online. And then we'll sing songs. And um, when we sing songs, we're singing because we believe that God actually hears us, okay? Okay? So do you believe, if you're a Christian, do you believe that God actually hears you? I mean, we, we I, so we could, the sermon's done, so this doesn't count as my time if you think I'm going long, okay? Sermon's done, this is just a, this is just something else. <laughs> when we sing, when we sing, we sing because Singing brings truth deeper down into the heart, does it not? I mean, we could just—I could just keep preaching for another hour. We could just all read truth, but singing brings truth deeper down into the heart. That's why you sing songs when you break up with somebody. It's why you—it's why you listen to um, Will Smith. What's that? Summer, summertime. You know, on probably today. You know, that's why, that's why you sing song because it brings truth deeper. Look, I'm quoting Will Smith. I'm quoting Creed. It's on tonight, okay? <laughs> you, you sing because it brings truth deeper down into your heart. It brings truth deeper down into your heart. And sometimes I think that we just sing songs and we, um, we just basically read words on the screen. But God designed singing to help truth get deeper down into your heart. He designed singing to help truth get deeper, deeper down into your heart. That's why we sing. If you're not a Christian, you wonder, it's really weird these people get in a room and sing. Well, kinda, yes, I agree. But it brings truth deeper down into your heart. It brings truth deeper down into your heart. And and the reason that, that the Bible teaches us to raise our hands in singing is because, or, or sometimes it teaches us to to kneel when we pray, is because our hearts often mimic our bodies. I mean, psychology will tell you this, that if you smile, you just feel happier, right? I mean, if everybody smile right now, you'll just feel happier, right? You, It's hard to smile and be mad. So the Bible teaches us the same thing, that we raise our hands because it it just expresses a posture. I mean, just like a touchdown you raise your hands or you scream or you because your your heart often follows your body so all of that is to say as we sing and as calling leads us in singing i want you to know that god hears you i want you to know that he's designed singing to take truth deeper down into your heart and i want you to as you're comfortable Even use your body because oftentimes our hearts follow our body, okay? Let me pray for us as we take communion and sing songs. God, thank you that you are a judge and you're the best judge. You're a better judge than we could ever be. You're a judge that knows right from wrong and false from truth. You're God that knows all things. And, and, And I'm glad that you're the judge and that nobody in this room is the judge. But God, I'm also glad that you want to change us. That we cannot appeal to only God can judge me because you do want to change us. You do want to bring growth and maturity. And you want us to more fully experience your love So I thank you, God, that you are the judge and yet you take all judgment upon yourself for those that know you. And God, if anyone in this room doesn't know you, I pray that you would work in their heart tonight to bring them to experience your judgment on the cross for them. And God, for those that do know you, for the Christians in this room, I pray that you would work in our hearts to see how much it is that you love us and want us and accept us and pursue us and desire to bring more change and life into us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.